0: Already. So, Kurt, we're ready? Yep. Okay. um, Welcome to the Douglas County and City of Lawrence Planning Commission. It's a meeting, it's a mid month meeting where city planning staff interact with commissioners um, and commissioners interact amongst ourselves. The public is uh, welcome to listen. And uh, with that, I will turn it over to Ellie for the rules of the meeting.
1: Good morning, Ellie Mullins, planner. I'll be working to facilitate the Zoom video portion of the meeting. Uh, I will work alongside the vice chair to facilitate the meeting proceedings. I have a few housekeeping items for this hybrid meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you are not speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to me. Unless you are participating during the meeting, please turn your video off. This allows the active meeting participants to be seen on screen. You'll still be able to hear the meeting. When you are participating, please turn your video on. If you have any trouble, you can send a chat to me. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. And I'll turn the meeting back over to the vice chair.
0: Thank you, Ellie. Uh, Mary, I think you're going to give us an update on Lessa.
2: so. Yeah, thank you. And uh, Becky is going to help me by running (coughs) things. I have a presentation. I know there's some new commissioners that aren't familiar with Lisa, so I'll kind of explain it. And then um, there were a lot of questions raised at the Planning Commission meeting, which I'll go through and try to provide responses to those. And then provide a couple examples of using the Lisa the way we have it now. Right now it's a draft. Um, We're kind of like in the middle stage of developing it. We 've done the preliminary work, and so the next steps would be to work with experts to do some ground truthing and to uh, calibrate and finalize change parameters you know but to do that, we actually have to have some experts agricultural experts that can tell us you know are we getting accurate readings on the property so the lisa um, is one of the review criteria in the zoning regulations for the unincorporated portion of the county, and it only applies if you're rezoning from the Ag 1 district. So this slide shows all the rezoning criteria. So we have the golden factors that we look at. Um, In addition, we have other factors that have been added, um, along with compatibility and avoiding detrimental impacts. And we also have um, the impact on environmentally sensitive lands. And that's something that comes up when we look at the Lisa, because in the Lisa, we say if you have all trees or wetlands, that's a negative score for agriculture. But that doesn't mean it's not a protected feature. It just comes under a different category. We wouldn't be protecting it as agriculture. We'd be looking at it more as environmentally sensitive lands. And so we have the... um, REQUIREMENT TO MINIMIZE THE CONVERSION OF AG LAND TO NON AG USES AND THAT'S IN THE COMPREHENSIVE PLAN AND IT ALSO RECOMMENDS THAT WE PROTECT HIGH QUALITY AG LAND WHICH IS DEFINED AS CLASS ONE AND CLASS TWO SOILS. SO um, THE Lisa IS ONE OF THE TOOLS THAT WE COULD USE TO DO THAT AND uh, WE'VE BEEN WORKING ON IT, STAFF, I'VE BEEN WORKING CLOSELY WITH ZONING AND CODE STAFF and with the Natural Resource Conservation Service to develop some parameters and develop our lease system that, uh, as I said, it's in a draft form right now. So there'll be a lot of changes as if we move forward and go through the ground truthing process. Next slide. And so, the purpose is just to evaluate the agricultural potential or future potential of a property. And the reason we're using a system like this is so that it's not subjective. It doesn't matter who owns it, it doesn't matter, you know, anything like that. And it doesn't rely on our own expertise on agriculture. You don't have to know. People can use this who don't know anything about agriculture, which the people who are developing it don't know that much about agriculture, but. And we use the agricultural experts so that we have this tool to give us an idea. Is this agriculturally productive land? And I think one of the questions at the commission meeting was, what if the property owner disagrees with what you say? It's the same with all the other review criteria. You know, We can say, we think this is compatible with nearby land uses. And the landowner can come and say, we don't think it is compatible. And so someone can come, they can bring information and say, we don't think that's accurate. We think our farm is much worse than that, and we want to develop it. And they can provide their evidence. So it's just a, a criteria that we would use to provide a subjective, an, an objective, not subjective kind of an evaluation so that we can minimize the conversion of good quality agricultural land. There's other things we would look at, too. If it's... A, In the middle if you have a 20 acre parcel and it's completely surrounded by other residential development we would kind of see that as infill and so perhaps it's not so important to protect it but we would be looking at the lisa only at the agricultural potential and uh, one of the communities that we kind of look to for guidance riley county has a really good lease system if you go there and you want to rezone your property they can pull it up and it gets automated once it's all done Um, theirs is completely automated ours would probably only be halfway but the land evaluation they do that it's automated you just put it Push it, you know, push a button on the computer. GIS will give you out the table, and uh, it will tell you is it good for ag or not. And uh, ours will be automated to a degree. Right now, we're doing things manually just because we talk to our GIS guy and asked him if he would automate it and he said they don't want to do it now because they have limited resources and they know we're going to change we're going to change our parameters we're going to change our rulings so they'd wait want to wait until we are have what we want but it'll be much simpler it's not going to involve us actually doing it even though it's not very difficult to do right now And uh, the other thing Raleigh County does that we decided not to do is they uh, take other things into account, such as how, what kind of a road is it on, how far is it from a sewer line, and how many other small divisions residences are there near it and in our opinion that doesn't affect the agricultural potential that might that's more of a golden factor and so we are only using the criteria that apply to agriculture here so one of the questions um there are two questions you asked one is should the various factors be weighted and that was discussed at the commission meeting and I think that's something we would find out with ground truthing and working with the experts. You know, How is the Lisa working? Do we need to give more weight to different factors? Because in the end, we want, and my dream of having the experts is that they would, I'm thinking K-State agricultural experts, and they, could, they probably have farmland that they can direct us to and say, well, do your Lisa on these. And they'll know that this is not good farmland. This is very good farmland and we can see how ours is working out if it's not working out then maybe we do need to waste certain factors maybe some factors are duplicates and they can be removed and so that's what we would want to look at when we do the ground truthing we can't do it right now because i can't say which factors should be weighted more and i can't say is any factor unneeded until we've done a lot more (coughs) um checking and with experts not just us looking at it ourselves so which factors measure land evaluation and which factors measure site assessment? And so on the next screen, um, I've color-coded this. Um, so a land evaluation this is supposed to be a green color. These are the factors, and there's three of them. There's, there's four factors, but we only use the highest of the range production, and that's from the NRCS, from the online soil survey. It's um, tons per acre per year. And then the um, NCCPI the National Commodity Crop Production Index. And they just have rankings. And so we've given them weights. And the way we develop these weights is primarily just looking at different lands. They could all be adjusted once we actually do ground truthing. So since this is just our draft version, we don't rely on it. We want the experts to help us decide, is this what is good for Douglas County? What is a good ranking for Douglas County? And. Uh, I think an agricultural expert could help us come up with that. So we only use whichever one is the highest in that. When we look at the soil capability class, and one of the reasons for looking at both of these, um, now we have looked at other communities in Iowa and Illinois, for instance. They use salisas. Um They work with their NRCS office very closely, but they only look at corn. I mean, that is they look at how good is the farmland for corn. And so that's what their index is. But in Douglas County, we have a lot of pasture land. We have a lot of commodity crops. And then we have a real strong focus on local food production. So we're very interested in vegetables and just local food, organic farming. And so keeping maybe the soil capability class or the farmland importance class, trying to make sure we're not just looking at pasture and commodity. We want to make sure there's a, a way to make sure we include that niche agriculture. And again, this would be determined as we ground truth. Maybe we're catching it with commodities. You know, maybe we don't need all of these factors. So the soil capability class, uh, class one and two, the high quality class are the very best. Three, if you read the information, it's, it's okay soil. It may need some help, but you can farm it, and it's good farmland You know, if you do the work to it. And so we have some rankings that we've put there. We're not firm on these rankings, they will change as we go through. And then the farmland importance, um, whether it's prime farmland or statewide importance. So those that's the land evaluation components. And when those go through, you'll get the highest of the two range or NCCPI ratings, soil capability and farmland. And then there'll be a total for that. And then these are the factors we look at with site assessment. And, um, the first one is natural constraints so for instance as I mentioned if it's if you have a property and it's 50% wetland that's 50% of the farm it should not be farmed it's not good farmland if it's a 30% stream corridor you should not be farming the stream corridor and so floodway You should not actually be farming the floodway. We wouldn't consider that great farmland. And so those are negatives. And the question was brought up, do we need to use negative numbers? And um, NRCS uses negative numbers. We may not have to use negative numbers. As we calibrate and we go through with our ground truthing, it may be that we can adjust all the numbers so none none of them have to be negative. But in truth, if you have wetland, we can't just say that that could be good farmland or not. You know, It's neutral. It's not actually neutral. It's, It's definitely not good farmland. So it may stay negative, or it could be changed. What is the current land use? This one is, and I always wonder, we put in crop and grassland, but we, we rank them the same. But I think the idea was this might be something we could track. You know, are we rezoning more grassland? Are we rezoning more cropland? It might just be interesting. Mm-hmm. They, they rank the same, so it really wouldn't affect the score. And then is it non-farmland? If you have a giant. Tool shed? Do you have a giant, uh, or do you have houses? You know, are there structures on the property? <laughs> Driveways, you know, parking lots. Things that's just not going to be farmed. It is not natural. And so those would be scored just neutral. You don't get any score for those. And then the location, and this is a, um, we developed this early on, and I think it's going to be revised, but I don't want to change it from what you've seen. But I think as we move forward, The goal would be to take out anything about um, tier three. So we have, you're outside the UGA, or you'd be tier three, or you're tier two. So I guess it'd be tier two or not tier two. And if you're tier two, you're close to the city, you expect to annex within 20 years. So maybe we got the development pressures, that's one thing NRCS says you can look at with agriculture. That is where you would expect to direct most of your non-agricultural uses. And that may be something that we don't need to keep in, but it is something kind of useful uh, to include with the score. And so these three scores would add up to your site assessment score, and then you would have a total. And then you would have, you know, how important is it based on this information? Is it very high, high, medium, or low? <clears throat> and then at the end of this, I'll show you examples of two um, properties. One came up low and one came up very high, so it's kind of interesting to look at those. And it's just our basic that we have so far. It probably will get very fine-tuned when we actually have the experts help us. And so this is one of the questions the Planning Commission had. You know, There needs to be a way the landowner can provide proof that it is different, and they can. The land, anyone making an application, or even the public, they can argue with all of the review criteria, and that's all this is. This will be staff's evaluation of that criteria. If uh, the member of the public want to come in and disagree with it and provide their own evidence, that would be something for you to consider. So, it's, it's not just because you get a score, it's not finalized. How do we determine if the results are trustworthy? That would be the ground truthing with the experts. You can't rely on us. We can tell you this is what we get, but I can't go out and say, yeah, that is really bad farmland. And I can't. So we'd have to have the experts help us. And also, you mentioned at the meeting, should we keep reviewing it? And that's something that NRCS suggests. So like every five years or so, or just every so often, we don't do a lot of rezoning, so we could keep reviewing it as we go along. You know. Do, are we happy with it? Because we can always change it. Uh, would it require quite a bit of staff time? Uh, once it gets automated, it'll take very little staff time. It doesn't take much staff time now. The hardest part is adding up. And then when I show you the, the Lisa, you have to add up the different components. So it's, um, once you learn how to use it, it, it doesn't take much time at all. Um, should be used negative numbers and so the nrcs guidebook says we can assign detractor or bonus points and so for instance they're saying if you're close to a sewer system maybe that would be detractor points i don't understand the reasoning because in in douglas county if you're close to a sewer system you're probably right next to the the city and that would be tier two if it's likely to be annexed and if there's some topographical issue Issues and you can't be annexed, then you're probably in tier three or so. But anyway, that's one of their examples they use that you could put bonus points or detractor points. And so, this is just their example of using, and they were using scenic values. And so, there's a lot of things we don't look at, you know, like we're just looking at agricultural potential primarily. But they were looking at, do you want to save farmland for the scenic value? So, yeah, if it's a really pretty farmland, um, then you get plus points. But if you were a feedlot and you have very dense animals on a smaller lot visible from a highway, they would give it negative points. We're not using those parameters. I mean, we always could if you wanted to include scenery, but we're not at this point, suggesting that. And then this is um, back to the question the commission had about testing it. And they do recommend that after it's adopted, it should be reviewed periodically. And so I think it'd just be good for us. With the limited number of zonings we do in the rural area, we could just ongoing keep a review and, and kind of analyze it every time we do one. Keep a running table and so they recommend the soil-based factors for land evaluation and for site assessment. Um, they look at other factors that would limit agricultural productivity, and so that's like our natural constraints, and if you have buildings on it. Uh, factors measuring development pressure, and that's where we're looking at. Are you in tier two of Lawrence, or are you outside the UGA? And then other values such as historic or scenic values, we don't actually have that. I think we would take those and do some of the other golden factors and review criteria. You could still be good ag lamp and maybe you're not very scenic. And then in redundancy, that they gave an example of a, a place that had five land evaluation and they found that they were very closely correlated and so they reduced them and that might be what happens when we go through our ground truthing we may end up with less we have three now which is less than they started out with but you know if only two is all we need then we we could go down to that the important thing is that it, it just be objective and um, the nrcs i'm going to go ahead and go to the examples thanks the nrcs really recommends that you have this committee. You don't just have the experts. So like when we get ready to ground truth, we'd want the experts. They recommend you have farming, some farmers from your area um, to help and participate with it. Commissioners can be on the committee. That way, everybody's involved. But it's primarily working with the experts. And and that way, we're all in the loop of what we're doing and why. Mm So these are two examples. Uh, This one is down at the corner of North 100, East 1000 Road. And it's um, pretty much just... farmland mostly looks like just pasture land there were no buildings on it so this is the um, farmland classification so prime farmland is green farmland of statewide importance is blue and then not prime is red and so this is the kind of score you get you can just pull these right off the online soil survey and so you get these scores and all you have to do is add them up and if you look down below I should have where I've added it up. Yeah, I have the amount that's prime, statewide, and not prime. And so this is what we'll put in that table. And so I'll go through two examples, and then I'll show you their calculations. So here we have soil capability class. Class one is, uh, we don't have any class one, but class two is the gold. class three is the yellow. And then the blue is, um, I can't actually see it, but it's one of the higher classes. I think it's class six. And so uh, we, could, we calculate that. We have the percentage of the property that's those. And we go on down to the others. The next one will be rangeland production. And so we go through and we get the figures for that. So all of this is just given to us from NRCS. And this will all be what's automated. I would like us to get this kind of a table because I know the commission said when you get this, you would want to see all the information. You don't just want the score. So and this is what Riley has. When you go to there and they do their LISA, you get a, a worksheet like this. And so you'll get that information on rangeland. We got the information on the national commodity crop production. It was I th- so I think they're very close. One was a little higher than the other. And so then we go on down, and this is the site assessment portion. And so In the site constraints, there's very little. You can see I outlined some of the trees, where they're very dense trees. Uh, There's a little bit of wetlands. Basically, we use the Fish and Wildlife Services Wetland Mapper, just because that's the best information we have available. And a lot of times, they'll see farm ponds. Sometimes they are wetlands. Sometimes the property owner can talk to them, and they say, no, these are not wetlands, jurisdictional wetlands. But anyway, I've marked these. There's very little natural constraints on this property. And if you scroll down a little bit. And then it's outside of the urban growth area, because it's way at the very bottom of the county. So that's the location. And um, I'll just switch over to the other example. We'll just go on down a little bit, and I'll show you the other example. And then I'll show you their tables. And I wish I could have done them together. I'm just not that. um. Mary,
1: this is the last one on this this
2: handout here. Oh, well, that's not good at all.
1: Is it on the? Let me to pull up the um, Excel
2: spreadsheet. No, but I can show. We can go ahead and show the Excel spreadsheet. Okay. I thought I sent you the one that had both of them. Okay.
1: <coughs> What's this?
2: have to get a little bit closer oh. okay. so this is a spreadsheet for the one I just showed you so natural constraints Right now we're giving them negative figures. It just gets a negative 0.3 because of the wetlands and the dense trees. Current land use being all farmland, scores a 10. Location being all outside the UGA, it scores a 10. So it gets a score of 19.68. And then we go up to the land evaluation. The um, Range and the commodity crops are very similar, but commodity was a little higher, so it's got 9.13, which is almost, yeah, almost perfect. Uh, soil capability, they have a lot of high-quality soils. It ranked as 8.1, and then farmland importance, we had quite a bit of prime and statewide, so it came up at eight. So its score was 25. So together, the score would be 45, which put it in a very high level for protection. And so I feel comfortable with that because that you could clearly see that would look like good farmland. But we'd want an expert to evaluate that and see is that really that high quality of soil. Are we able to get into my folder from here? Let me just
0: check one
2: thing. If not, then um I could just describe the other property that I looked at. It's actually right next to the city limits. It's right by Rock Chalk Park. Now, there's Rock Chalk Park. There's Links at Lawrence. And then there's a residential subdivision. And in between is the Jack Graham property. I don't know if you're familiar with that. But it's if you think of Rock Chalk Park, it, so it's right next to city limits. It's in tier two. And a lot of this property is wooded. I mean which sometimes if the farmer has left it alone and it's wooded a lot of times there's a reason for that and so when i pull up the soil survey yeah it had it was not prime farmland it had low quality soils and uh thank you Mm This would be much better if I could find it than me trying to describe it. So this is that um, Graham property. And I'm almost done, and then we can have questions, because I know I'm talking forever, but... Or we can have a discussion. So this one, kind of give you a teaser, it comes out really poorly. It scores really poorly. So this is the property I was talking about.
1: Um, is it at the end, Mary?
2: Uh, you want to go up to the top? I'm sorry. This one? Mm-hmm, right there. So as you can see, it's it's real close to the city, so it's going to have development pressures. And the fact that it's got a lot of trees gives me an idea that perhaps it started out, maybe that was a reason it wasn't farmed. And it could be the topography, but we don't actually look at that. But if we go on down, I'll just scroll through. Here's the land evaluation. Red means not prime farmland, and that matches where the trees are. Blue is statewide importance, and there's only a little bit of prime farmland in that little corner. And if we go on down, then... um, Soil classification that pretty much matches, and I'm um, sometimes I think, well, they match, maybe they are redundant, maybe we don't need both of them. And so, these are the rangeland productivity and commodity, they come out the same because they're both very fairly low, so we could use either one of those. And then at the site assessment. Um, There's quite a bit of natural constraints on this property. There are the trees, the heavy woods, so those are outlined in green. It also has wetlands, but a lot of the wetlands are within the woodland. There's a little wetland in the corner there, but we aren't counting that because that's not the subject property. There's a little parcel there.
3: Is this oriented the same way Mm -hmm. as the others?
2: Yeah. North is at the top. And so Rock Chalk Park would be to the west. And then the red area, that's just the driveway, very poorly drawn, but that's the driveway and where the house is. So that's kind of like um, where it's not being used for agriculture. And so those are the, um, and it is all within tier two. So if you want to pull up the Excel sheet, and I can show you how these scored. Thanks. OK, so this is, this is the first one that we looked at on North 100 Road. So as you can see, um, this is one that had exactly the same 5.4. And then in the soil capability, maybe I've already gone through this. Anyway, it came up very high ranking. No, I'm sorry. This is the uh, gram property that we just looked at. So now, that's why they're the same. We use 5.4. Soil capability class, they had, Some class three, most of their soil was class six, so it ranks very low in soil capability. Farmland importance, uh, most of it was not prime, so it ranked very low. I mean, this is the lowest one we've ever found so far. In the site assessment, about 53% of the site, or 57, was covered with trees or other natural features, so it's negative. Um, The current land use, Quite a bit of it is not farmland. Those are the trees again. So it has a low score. So it has a very low score. And we end up with a score of about two. So this one actually comes in low value for protection. So if we were going to rezone one of these two properties, these are our two options, we would lean toward the Graham property. It's not better farmland. And so that's basically what we're doing with the Lisa is right now we're at the stage where we've done everything we can as staff and we need to get the agriculture the experts to help us.
3: So I'm trying to keep track. So if, on that particular piece, if someone cleared the trees um, and tilled the ground and, and got into production, would the score be different then?
2: It would be a little bit different because you wouldn't have the, the natural constraints. But you would still have the poor soil rating, that it's, it's not high quality soil and it's not um, prime farmland. So it would still have a lower rating and I think there's a lot of topography. That, a lot of times that comes with the trees, that they're left just because. And I think there is a lot of.
3: To your a, point, there's reasons why there's trees. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, but if a farmer changes, and a lot of times what we see in the survey, survey isn't what's on the land. A farmer might have gone in and done a lot of work, added organic material, made a lot of changes. And um, so if we said a property was poor value, I don't see that happening, because usually someone wants to do something with their land, and they want us to, to come up with that. It is low value. But um, if we disagree, they can bring in their experts. And uh, we had one case like that. Even though our Lisa isn't done yet, we had one person that we, we said it was fairly good farmland. And he went to another website, which it's a paid website, and he was able to bring up other agriculture information to make his case that it wasn't that good of farmland. So the information is out there if people want to challenge. And uh, so I, uh, I just want to bring this back after our planning commission meeting. Because at the meeting, I think I uh, was wondering why you were, a- you were asking us why we using these figures now, as opposed to are we going to be using them at the end result. And we're using them now just because that's where we've been guided Eh. and we're probably going to change them. So when it comes back, uh, I think the next step, if we move forward with the Lisa, would be to uh, start working with the agricultural experts. And whenever I work with agriculture, I always go to the extension office because they always put me in touch with the right people. And then we'd want to get farmers in the community. Uh, That way they've been participating you know and they can provide we can actually look at their farmland which they know very well and that would be helpful and then if any members of the commission or anybody else wants to be on the committee um, basically we would just be picking sites doing the evaluation having the experts evaluated and come up with results and then run them you know run a lot of We don't have to do every property in the county. We only do things that people ask to have rezoned But for as far as us ground truthing we'd probably want to test a lot of properties and to make sure we're as close as we can be And it's not gonna be scientifically accurate, but we want to be as good as we can
0: So if a property owner today wanted to know what the soil was like is there a way for them to find out? Or I mean do they come to you and say hey what? Is there is this stuff publicly available at all? Oh yes,
2: yeah. The web soil survey I'm using it's available for everybody. Okay. So they can look at their own soil, and you know they'll probably have people come out and do soil tests. And sure.
4: I'm wondering if there's a way. Some of these soil uh, surveys are quite old. I don't know when the last time some of this might have been updated.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, that, and that's a good point. Ben Harris asked if we could get a new survey of Douglas County, so I asked NRCS. I sent them a request, and unfortunately, the person called me back and he had a very long and involved answer. I think the answer is we can request it. They feel pretty confident. They go out and they, they say they test and they kind of evaluate. But it's something we could put on their workload if we wanted to. And I could find that person's name again and, and get back in touch with him and get more information on that if we'd like to have a new survey, since, especially since we are going to be relying on it in this way, which a lot of counties don't. So it might be something they'd be willing to, to help us with.
4: I wonder how involved that would be to reclassify. I'm just thinking some of the somebody's taken a lot of care um, to regenerate Uh, their farm and they've been doing a lot of the no-till and the cover crops and doing all those things. And it it quite very well might have improved conditions on that parcel.
2: Right. So if they came in and wanted to rezone their land, and we were just looking at the web soil information, we might say it's low quality and we should rezone. But in truth, maybe they've improved it to where it shouldn't be rezoned. And so we wouldn't go out and do the additional information. So perhaps, and I don't know how we would catch those. You know, I, Sometimes if a person has put all that work into it, they're dedicated to keeping it farmland as a rule. They don't really want to develop it. But if they could, and you know, I can say there'd be some cases maybe we wouldn't be on top of it.
4: Well, I, I'm glad to see that the, you've taken into consideration the weighting. I'm looking back at my old notes um, from that, because there was a lot of duplication in soil factors. Yeah. So um, so that's going to come out in the, the wash for the experts. Right. A, um, duplicating of the factors um, and the weighting uh, and the redundancy in some of these.
2: Yeah, because if we don't need it, we want to make sure we weren't taking land that maybe isn't good for commodity crops or pasture land and people are using it for their local food, that we're not scoring it poorly. But if commodities and local food are the same, then we could probably remove some of the criteria
4: one i i know that there's when you're looking at when we're looking at a piece of property for rezoning so this is just one factor in looking at it is is the agricultural land and the quality of the agricultural land um but i just want to make sure so you're giving negative numbers for environmental features so i don't want that to appear like well gee because the there's all these negative features Negative features on the land for agriculture. If you have wetlands and mature woodlands and things like that, you don't might not want to rezone that. For
3: well, that reason,
2: so sure, that right, right. So when you're when you're when we're considering a rezoning, if they're rezoning to a district and to a use that's going to protect those lands, and we're going to get that into it, you know, they're going to do something and they're going to keep the woods. Maybe it's part of their whatever they're doing. Then maybe it's a good reason to rezone because a farmer can clear the trees anytime they want so if we want to protect the trees and whatever they're doing is going to protect it but if they want to rezone in order to divide into residential properties they're probably not protecting the trees and that would come under the environmental sensitive lands and so we try to call them natural constraints not negative factors but you know giving it a negative number it may be looking at that but it is a constraint to agriculture
4: mm-hmm. so i would just hope that that would be at, you know, at least um, emphasize that this is just one feature of the land is the agriculture so it's not the only thing that we're going to look at is whether it's
2: right Only we
4: have value <laughs> with this other
2: Right and you know it, it could come out ranking very high for protection but it still could be the best place for something that is going to go we need something in the county it's an absolute best place but it's really good ag land and it could still be rezoned or you know it could be low value for ag but just where it is maybe it's on a small township road and it's isolated maybe it's not a good rezoning so you're not going to automatically get your zoning or not get your zoning now in riley county since they include a lot of golden factors with their lisa they told us when they get a score they can tell the person if they're going to get their zoning or not like i don't know don't you go to the commission you know but I think when we show them, we can tell people, you may be challenging, because we have pre-application meetings. And if people have great farmland, and it's isolated, and we don't think it meets all the other golden factors, we usually tell them it could be very challenging. Staff might not be supportive, but they can move ahead if they want to. But that way, they know that it's going to be a challenge. And it's something new we've done within the last maybe eight years. We've started doing these pre-application meetings. And it's very helpful, because used to be we would just get applications, and we would have to just come and recommend denial. And we don't do a lot of denial recommendations anymore because people get more, they get heads up. Either they change their application or maybe they decide not to move forward. We still get some, but. Hmm.
3: <coughs> so, <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> Apologies. Um, at the very top, you said something I wasn't aware of. You said that, at least I thought I heard you say that um, that use of LESA is a part of the review criteria for a g one rezoning
2: mm-hmm. only a g one
3: I'm struggling with with that this, we're, it's not baked it's not something that's in production. How can that be a part of the review criteria if we're not if we don't have a an approved tool
2: Oh, the LISA is not part of the criteria. Okay. The importance, the minimizing of the conversion of agricultural land. And, and so one of our criteria is we have to look at it. So whenever I bring a rezoning to you, I always talk about these features, we don't have a LISA yet. So basically, I can tell you, oh, it looks like it's good farmland or not, but we can't really tell.
3: All right, I misunderstood. Sorry about that. Yeah.
2: So we need to have some sort of a system in place. It doesn't have to be a LISA. If we move forward and you're not satisfied with it, I haven't found any other. We might want to talk to some consultants, or you know, if we want to move in another route. Most people that do this use Lisa's, so that's the only thing I'm familiar with.
3: So when, when we did the original um, evaluation of this tool and did our own little mini ground truthing mm-hmm. um, exercise, um, we found that there were a couple of things, a handful of things that didn't make sense and in one area you talked about a little bit today and that was um, how the the different factors and the weighting might change over time.
0: <coughs>
3: um, you mentioned experts a couple of times that would be involved in helping uh, for that to happen um, and when you look at the scale, i I remarked at the time and I, I still feel that way The the, the waiting on that we have all tens at the top class and how it drops almost immediately um, and my sense of it when we compared that to soils was that there was a um, uh, a priority nested inside the values that were there that didn't really relate to quality of soil that it was it was more of a reflection of we want to protect the, the 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 ag ground which is great it's fine but i think we just need to be transparent about that you know I, I find myself wondering the experts that you've mentioned you know who are they how are they going to be guided what 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 uh what guidance will they be given on setting those weighting values so that in fact is known where we're coming from so it can be looked at as objective as opposed to subjective
2: right and i i see it as a very collaborative working situation like the experts will have our agricultural experts not lisa experts
3: like like from some,
2: k-state i would imagine okay some agricultural professors some in,
3: do this kind of work
2: that understand ag land so they can And my dream is, I'm thinking they probably have test fields, they probably have farmland where they can go out and say, this is great farmland, this is low quality farmland, because they've been working on it and researching. Or they can come out and even evaluate the farmlands that we're looking at directly in Douglas County. And then we would um, use our tool and see how how we come up with the score, Mm -hmm. and then then we would have to decide, how do we change it? Are we getting accurate readings? Because our goal is not to give a person an in-depth analysis of their farmland, but to give us a general idea of, is this good farmland or poor farmland? And so I don't think they, they may have some expert experience with Lisa's. And we can use NRCS, too. They're very helpful to help us in adjusting our parameters as we need to, to come up with the best answers we can. So, and and maybe some of those groupings will come together. Like I put every listing and range production separately and maybe we don't need to. Maybe everything below 5,000 is not good. And so we just have that instead of having so many groupings. And I think that uh, we'll learn a lot as we go through with this, but once we start getting the experts to help us and give us some guidance, I think that's when we'll learn what we need to know to make changes, and so at that time we'll we'll start making some changes, and you know we can use a lot of uh, the resources at K State or even KU. You know some of the people that have more knowledge in doing this kind of thing because if you have a consultant, then they have people on board, and since we're just staff, we just reach out to the experts. So when we if we need more experts on how to develop this system, we can reach out for that. What you're seeing now is our attempt. So, yeah, it's not perfect. It's super, I can't hardly say the word, but rudimentary, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so very elementary. I'm sure if we show it to them, they'll be like, they'll think it's funny looking, you know, but it's the best we could do. And it kind of works, but not good enough, you know. So, I wouldn't feel confident. I wouldn't tell anybody, yeah, we're going to zone your land based on this. I think that would not be a good thing to do until we get it better.
0: What, what kind of timeline, Mary, when, when can we expect this to be something that we're using, like, on an ongoing basis?
2: I am always too optimistic. so. But I feel like if we really get on it, that within six months, we should have something that we could use. Now, I could be wrong because committees take a while. And, you know, we, of course, it depends on the time frame of our experts we find. So it's six months to a year. Okay. That's, and I always am too optimistic, but...
5: Back to something Sharon said. When was the this survey done? Of land? Do you have any idea? Oh,
2: I think it was a long time ago. I think they did the original soil surveys maybe in '66 or it was it was way back when. But they have updated. Okay. They they routinely and this is what the gentleman explained on the phone, which maybe maybe I could get him to. Uh, I'd like him to send me an email because I just can't collect everything a person says on the phone. But they go out, and they're, they're always working. They're going out, and they're always redoing the soil surveys and, and doing not always the whole surveys, but they're checking.
3: Yeah. So the survey was established then, and
0: it's his, his message was it was continually updated from... Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is NRCS? Is yes. It? Okay. Hmm. okay.
2: So, go ahead. I think, it, like if you mentioned, i get back to him and tell him that we'd be interested in him, if, if possible, to come back and maybe do an evaluation of Douglas County and see if it needs to be resurveyed, rather than just come out and resurvey us.
3: Just how, so how do that, that seems to me that that would be a monstrous undertaking.
5: Yes.
2: I think it is. I think I mean, it's a lot to, of work. For it
3: to be real. <laughs> I mean, to, to like, well, we've gone out yeah. to the to the Grocox right. place. Correct. Yeah. That's Ag 1, but it's there's parts of it that are, Rock washed away, washed
4: away.
2: And that'd be interesting to do our Lisa on to see. Does it see that? Mm
4: -hmm. Yeah, you can imagine things have degraded
0: also, not... Something. And I think yeah. it probably would only come into play when you're looking at a piece of land. It's not like we don't have to do every piece of land. It's just like, no. you know, is this land something that we want to keep in Ag1 or potentially develop, right?
2: Right. If someone comes to us and says, I want to rezone, Right. I want to put in a little store here, right. and I'm going to also have a factory maybe, like McFarland Aviation. They want to do something like that. Well, then we would look at... Right that and see is it good farmland and then we would also look at is it on maybe it's at an intersection of highways do we need this kind of business you know you would look at all those factors but yeah that's the only time you would look at it gotcha
4: did riley county have um experts come in and review
5: there
2: i i assume they did being right there in manhattan i'm sure they had worked closely with them and so They, um, they developed theirs. They were super friendly with us, and they actually gave us their GIS information, so our GIS person could just download it and do it just exactly the way they do. They just have a lot. They're very much rangeland, and their focus was primarily on if there's houses nearby, it's probably not good to have farmland there, and I don't understand that relationship. So they, they were very heavy on the site assessment But I'm sure that they had. And I could check with them Warren use their experts, you know? And I know in, in um, Iowa and Illinois, they were to the RCS, and they went out and found the exact figures for corn for their area, you know, for their county, which I don't think we have a standard crop for our county that we want to do that for. But um, we can tailor it, you know, that's a nice thing, and we can change it as we go along. But we want to make it as good as possible before we start.
0: A couple more questions. Go ahead.
4: One, um, so you mentioned that this what uh, won't take much. Well, this saves staff's time compared to what you're doing now.
2: When it gets done, yes. Uh, right now, we're just—it's hard to say anything about agriculture. You know, as far as we'll come and say, oh, it looks like good farmland. Mm-hmm. And then it's, we don't have any, right now we don't have any information. Nothing we can really solidly say you should not rezone this because it's great farmland. Unless it was all prime soils or all class 2 soils, that much we could tell. So it will give us more reliability and more confidence. It'll take a little bit of our time to run the LISA. Right now, the way we're doing it now, it, it does, it'll, t- it'll save us time because it'll be automated. But it is not a huge time consumer. You know, to run the lease on a property maybe 20 minutes.
5: When when you tested it before, what were the outcomes? Was it pretty accurate when you did the ground testing?
2: Well, we, uh, we didn't do a lot of ground testing. One, one time I brought it to the commission and I had actually tested a property and it turned out that one of the commissioners farmed that land. And so they agreed with our ranking. So that was good, but I don't think that's very solid. And so we, until we get experts that can tell us that this is the rating of this farmland, we'll never know how accurate our okay. s-
5: So it wasn't a 10 samples or 100 samples That you've done how many were actually done
2: we've only so far I don't know our committee I don't think did a lot of ground truthing because once they started and they they did they weren't happy with the figures um, with the negative numbers things not being weighted they weren't confident with the parameters to start with and so I think that's where we want to back off get the experts to help us make sure we get the right ratings the right parameters and then go ahead and do the ground truthing through the development of those rankings.
3: So we had an ad hoc committee that was that looked at this and we, I think it was three parcels that we um, chose where people had specific um, knowledge about the parcels and we couldn't make it make sense. Um, uh, the weighting didn't make sense to us um, and the, the scores that we ended up with um, didn't provide any additional information mm. um, so the combination of those things and and then what felt like subjectivity in how the how the the data and how the weighting was established left us the, the exercise I thought was great the, uh, the the work that we did to understand the details of a piece of ground was great um, I loved the, I love that it drove a process of understanding to, to get to where we really knew what was going on with this piece of ground. The tool itself and the, the numbers that the, the, that was, were generated there was almost a distraction because we couldn't make sense of that, at least I couldn't. And I think others came to the same conclusion. I know Greg Shanklin sent a note with some of those thoughts. I love the process, Um, time consuming, um, but but you you got to an understanding of of a piece of ground different than you would in any other way.
5: I think when we brought that up before, a question that I asked or maybe a statement I made was, out of the 100,000 pieces of property in Douglas County or 200,000 or whatever that number is. Is is it worth knowing this for all of Douglas County when we only really look at how many a year, a ten year period to decide is 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 the what's that phrase is the squeeze worth the juice to do all of this work for this program if we only need it for I don't even know, half a dozen properties a year? That would be a question I have.
2: I I think it is worth all the work because right now, rezonings have slowed down quite a bit, but that doesn't mean they'll always stay slowed down. And, you know, if we get a big zoning in for 160 acres of farmland and we don't have this tool, then we can only look at the golden factors. And if the golden factors don't give us any reason to not. I mean, it's. I think it's an extremely useful tool. And yeah, if we only have one zoning a year, then that's only all the time we'll use it. Although the commission did mention at one of the earlier meetings that perhaps we should use it even when we do conditional use permits, especially those that are land intensive. If you're just using a building that's already there, it's not really an issue. But if you are want to do something with a CUP and you're going to turn something into something else that also maybe we should look at those and we do a lot of cups it's more common in the county to do cups and rezonings it's just easier to do those um you can be much more detailed and specific when you do a cup it's only for that one use and so we may extend expand it with the with this tax amendment to also apply to land intensive cups if you're just reusing an existing barn and you're going to put Equipment in it, but if you're going to actually use some acreage. So I think it is useful. Um, the commission, the comp plan, if it had said prohibit rezoning of agricultural land, I think would be have it easy. But where it says minimize it, then that means we have to look at it. And for some reason, we have to say this ag land can be zoned and this land doesn't need to be. And we need a tool. We need something to guide us in making those statements.
5: Okay.
4: So in your assessment, so when we get these rezonings now, we have a lot of this information in the packet, Mm -hmm. Um, the crop, the production, the the soil conditions, all that. So we're looking at all that regardless.
2: We just don't know what to make of it. Yeah. It's it's information I provide you and I look at it, but I don't know when when I say it comes up five. So maybe that's average. I don't know. So it'll be nice when we can look at it and say, this probably is good farmland, you know. I
4: have one question, just out of curiosity. When we're looking at these indices, um, is the, is, it, is it comparing land relative to the the general quality of ag land in Douglas County, or is this some kind of objective national measure of agricultural quality?
2: As far as the like the range land and the commodity crop index, yeah,
4: I think it's it's. It's so I'm guessing that this is a sort of some sort of national index so we don't have it's not comparing parcels relative to the other parcels in Douglas County.
2: right it's not and it would be super nice if they did but they're not they're just they're telling you how many tons of grass or whatever on your range you're getting per acre per year and so you can compare that to other states you know, and it'd be good if you can compare it. To, if I knew that number for every parcel in Douglas County, I could rank. Well, this is in the top three fourths, but they don't do that. They just give us it's. They just tell us how much mm-hmm. they think it can produce or how much commodity crops, and that those indices are also production.
4: But I could imagine that you know, if you're if you're worried about ag land in Douglas County, and let's say I, I know our ag land is really good, but if it wasn't, you know, compared to other states we'd still want to protect what's good for douglas County. right yeah suppose even if it doesn't rank very highly compared to other counties or other states
2: right we, uh, you're right we definitely would want to make sure we, if we're looking at us only at douglas county like what are the best lands in douglas county the medium lands and what are the, the lower lands you know and and that's what our ratings will be just looking at douglas county
5: I don't remember how often we have to do this, but we have to turn in production numbers to the federal government on how much hay we get per acre, uh, what our crop yield is. So that information is already someplace. And I don't remember whether mm-hmm. we do it every 10 years, five years, I, I but I have to fill out a 30 page survey of Every inch of our property.
2: Is that like the agricultural census?
5: Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. yeah, I've looked at that because I thought that would be great, but it seems like it's only for the state. You know, I can't seem to find census information just for Douglas County. Mm. If we had that, that would be very helpful. So
4: I have seen that.
3: Somewhere. The details got to be somewhere. somewhere.
4: Yeah.
5: Yeah.
2: But
4: I, I can't guess how often. It is, but I have seen those. It
5: isn't every year, I know know that, but it comes and says you must turn this back in by a certain date, but it's exhaustive to how many acres of trees and how many acres of, how much hay did you get off it and what kind of hay was it and On and on and
2: on. Yeah, I've seen the, because I've looked at that, the census, the agricultural census. If if we do find that for Douglas County, that would be extremely useful for our tool. I just wasn't able to find it when I looked. Mm. I don't know if they break it up by county. You know, they do regular census. They break it up by census blocks. It'd be nice if they did break it up. And uh, they won't give us, because that way we can know what is the average production for Douglas County, because that's extremely useful
0: so if we're at 830 if there are no other questions uh, Commissioner Munch or Jane do you guys have any questions Um, I just Becky if we have time I'd like to have a few minutes at the end of each of our mid months to just ask staff city staff general questions since a lot of us are new. And I'll just start off with one. Um, can you walk us through, like from the time you get a project, is it rezoning first, then the preliminary plan? Like can you just walk us through like how that works? <clears throat> what comes in front of us?
1: Sure, and it, it kind of depends on the property and um, um, what development activities they've already have already taken place on that property. But just generally, um, you would see a rezoning and a preliminary plat could come uh, to you at the same time. It, it's not required that they do. Um, but that rezoning um, would, would uh, come to you for a recommendation and move forward to um, the city commission for their consideration. A preliminary plat would also come to you, and that would be the, um, you would be the, decision-making body on the the preliminary plat so that doesn't move forward to the to the um, city commission Um, and then the next step in that major subdivision process is a final plat and then that's an administrative process so that would stay um, with staff Um, and basically we'd be um, um, in making sure that it aligns with the preliminary plat that you all approved um, so that it's you know no major changes to the um the lots that they're proposing the easement dedications or vacations right away those kind of things um, <clears throat> pardon me and then if there's um, depending on if it's um, if that development proposals for um, a residential use or non-residential use let's say it was a subdivision for houses then um, that would be a um building permit process so um, not necessarily a site a a site plan that would come through the planning office for review would go straight to our building safety staff and they'd be um, reviewing those building permits Um, if it was for um, a residential use but more of a a multi Dwelling structure, an apartment complex. Um, they would go through a site plan process. So then that would be an administrative site plan review process. So they'd submit a site plan to our office. Um, as Mary indicated, you know, the first they would do a, um, all of these applications, they would have a pre application meeting with us, or we would bring in um, various um, city departments to kind of um, discuss um, any. Um, Uh, code requirements um, identify any potential issues that we might see up front Um, then they'd submit that the site plan application for in this example a multi-dwelling structure apartment complex and we'd run through the land development code requirements our community design manual requirements kind of looking at the site design is it uh, complying with those um, code requirements Um, and then they'd also have to go through that building permit um process and then that's similar with um, let's say they've done the rezoning and the platting process for uh non-residential use Um, more than likely they would uh, also need to do some sort of site planning process with us and and in this example that would be if it's a use that's permitted by right so um, if you look at our land use um, tables in the land development code you'll see a p or an s And the P means that the use is permitted by right, and most often that means with approval of a a site plan. Um, Or there's an S, which means it requires a um, special use permit application and so those then are those special uses um, it's an S if it's in the city for special use it's a C if it's in the county for conditional use and so those applications then would come before you for a public hearing and recommendation and then move on to either the city commission or the county Commission for their consideration on those properties so that in a nutshell is very very high level overview of, of that
6: process. Thank you. The one thing I will add is that it, some codes they have to be sequential. You, one has to follow the other, and they can't overlap. In our codes, they can run concurrently, so you can have an annexation, a plat, and a rezoning running simultaneously on a on a piece of land. Some places they can only run one after the other, so you can't get your plat to even annex, and you can't get your zoning until you have your plat. So, a little bit of a difference in how we function in the code structures ourselves. Thank you.
0: Uh, any other questions, commissioners or staff? i
3: click in on that just a little bit. Um, uh, when a, if we do a preliminary plat, and we're the final authority on that, which is a, a big thing to know, um, but when that goes to you, then it, uh, you're working to make it a final plat, what are the kinds of things that would cause you to say it needs to go back in front of the commission? How much latitude does uh, an applicant have to
5: make change?
1: There uh and I can pull up and uh uh look at the code for if you want the specifics, but basically there's that review review, review criteria that the code outlines in our um uh section um in our subdivision regulations really identifies, you know, if, if it meets these criteria, then it's it's uh, kind of outlines whether it's a minor change or a major change and what, it, you know, if it would need to go to go back or not. So basically, that's kind of through that review process, we would be able to identify if they could proceed with that f- final or need to um, go back with the plan. And applicants
3: are just naturally motivated to try to minimize change to not have to start that process back over again, I would imagine.
1: Right, and I think really if there's any changes that might, most often if there's changes to a final, that might be because of something that's come up with the public improvement plans. But they're working on those public improvement plans with the preliminary, so they're really identifying at that point generally what that that subdivision um, is going to look like.
3: help me remember, if a preliminary plat is rejected by the Planning Commission, do they have, does an applicant have an, an escalation path through the City Commission to overturn that?
1: Uh, Let me pull up the code just to verify. I remembered yes, but
3: I'm not 100% sure.
1: Generally, there is an appeal process. So, if a preliminary plat is denied, the applicant can resubmit a preliminary plat. But there's also um, let me go to our section that talks about I appeals. Can't do that though, for
3: a year, or unless there's
1: no, it, there's less. In this instance, it's they there they they can um, come back. The the. Um, uh, Decisions from a person uh, aggrieved by the decision of the planning commission may make an appeal to the city commission.
6: Mm -hmm. All right, cool. Thank you. The key with PLATS is especially when you're talking about preliminary and final kind of PLATS is they are ministerial. So you either you meet all the code requirements and you're eligible for the PLAT or or you don't. There is not, (coughs) Golden is not involved, there's not a lot of leeway involved in that. So it's really a condition of do you meet all of the code requirements, yes or no is the actual question.
1: And so in that instance if they basically planning commission would be denying because they it didn't meet those elements of the of the um code requirements and so the applicant could then make those changes to be to conform to you know whatever element was found to not be in conformance and then bring that back
3: for approval Just one last question please please do you expect that preliminary plats given their their tight nature of of, you know, bi- the binary nature of a decision on that will become part of the consent agenda or maybe even pulled out?
6: We're looking into that one there because typically if you go back over I'll say 20 years, probably even maybe 30 years of the Planning Commission, there was a point where you did not even have a lot of those plats coming up in in the way that they do it. So it was on that consent agenda item. And and the key to remember with the Planning Commission is you have public hearing items and you have non-public hearing items. Preliminary plats are typically a non-public hearing item as part of that. So it is that potential that we're doing the research still, but it may land on a consent agenda because it is under that code and doesn't meet that non-public hearing item. So it could be potentially in that bucket. But... We are still going through all the fun things to find out for sure.
1: Unless there's a, a variance associated with the plat. Correct. Then it would.
0: A variance for sure would, yeah. 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 Any other questions for staff? Um, Rita.
1: Yeah, let me um, just put in a couple of plugs. I, I sent out the save the date. So the um, orientation uh, date has been set on December 8th. Um, that'll be a. Um, uh, those are usually a full-day event, so go ahead and block off that whole day on your calendar. Um, and then I uh, also want to put a plug-in for our mid-month topic next week. Mary's going to be back, and, along with Avery and Catherine, and they're going to give us an update on the um, revised, uh, uh, Western, revised Western Development Plan. That,
6: that will not be next week. That will be next month.
1: Next month.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's good, yeah. <laughs>
6: Didn't want Mary to have to like turn around real quick and come <laughs> no, up with another letter no, no. class, but like,
0: next month. Yeah,
6: thanks Jeff. Right,
0: thank you very much, Mary. That was very informative and hopefully we can all kind of work with you on this and yeah, okay. thank you. Um, can we adjourn? Yeah. So uh, with that we're going to adjourn this month's mid-month meeting. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you.
5: Thank you Mary. I don't know if all of you got to say it but the guy who yeah. did the handrails.